You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Hannah, welcome to The Five. Can we thank the band? Can we thank the band, everybody? Look at these guys. Look at Chris Donovan. He's got a pink guitar and a yellow hat. What a fun guy. He's so fun. Hannah, how are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Well, it has I mean, been a hot minute since I've been at the Five. And this well, welcome back. It's happening. Well, where have you been? I had a baby in a pandemic. You know? <laughs> Fair so. enough. That's <laughs> awesome. What's your baby's name? Her name is Novali. Nice. And who else are you here with in your family? I'm here with my husband, Lane. What's up, Lane? Everybody say hey to Lane. There we go. Okay, now we're all friends. That's awesome. Well, uh, welcome. Tell us, uh, how did you get, how did you even get connected? You've been a part of Passion City for a long time. Yeah, I have a pretty unconventional story. Okay. I remember the first time I came to Passion, I was actually living in Connecticut at the time. It was my- What a commute. Yeah, I came to visit a friend. Uh My first time in the South. Way OTP. Yes. Yeah. Um, my first time in the South, I had my first experience at what I called Chick-fil-A. Um, <laughs> okay. and I remember getting onto the shuttle bus for Passion and being like, telling her like, my church in Connecticut's pretty big, like, pretty big. <laughs> yeah, right. And then I got on the shuttle bus and I was like, oh, oh. my church fits in the shuttle bus. Yeah. Like, what is this? I had never seen... I just had never seen something like this before. And it was enough for me to say, I want to be a part of this. That about a year later, I packed up my entire life into a car and I moved down to Georgia. And I didn't really know that many people, but I got rooted here at Passion that first Sunday. And I have been here ever since. (laughs) That is amazing. It's amazing. Give her a hand as she came from Connecticut. Long time ago, but... That's awesome. Well, thank you for coming here and just having this conversation. I know that you've had forms of this conversation before. I know like back uh, pre-COVID, like at the Grove one time, we've kind of had this discussion. But just for those of us who maybe are kind of cluing in to, to you and just meeting you for the first time, um, w- help us know like your story with mental health. Yeah, so my story with mental health, I would say, started my first year out of college. Um, At the time, I wasn't a believer, um, so I didn't really know who to have conversations with. And we also were not having conversations about mental health at that time. Right. And so I went through depression as best as I could, and I look back and I realize it was a situational depression. And I thought depression was something where it's like, if you've had it once, that's it. It's like the chicken pox. It's not coming back. I did not know that wasn't true. (laughs) (laughs) And so six months into living in Atlanta, I actually experienced a very severe depression that I say, you know, like, if that was depression that I faced before, this needed a different name um, because I had to quite literally fight for my life for a span of four to five months. I was hospitalized. I felt like my mind was in a constant paralysis. And uh, it was the scariest time of my life. But again, the people that were in this church that I did not know surrounded me. And I tell anybody, I would go through that a dozen more times to get the same outcome because I met God in the dark. 
And so whatever faith I thought that I had, it was almost like in that dark time, the foundation broke and the foundation was built again on the real love of Jesus. Wow. And so I... I understand and have been in the trenches of mental illness, but I also know and believe that God is in it and he is fighting for us. And so I feel like I spent the first half of the depression not knowing where God was. Right. And the second half of the depression knowing God was for me and he was with me in it and he was with me in all of it, every doctor's appointment, every therapy appointment. And that was what helped me come out of those woods. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's amazing. <laughs> well, if you can, like, describe for it, like, what, what, what is that like? Like, being in that space, especially kind of in those early days of that, where I'm sure is incredibly disorienting. Yeah. And, um, like, if you've never walked, for somebody who might have never walked through that before, like, what is, what is that like? What does that feel like? It almost feels like you're, you're kind of out of touch with reality. Like you're in such a dark space and you experience something a lot of times in anxiety and depression that is called ruminations, which is basically your mind is trying to solve a problem that cannot be solved. Wow. And so you are running yourself in circles trying to get the answer to this problem that isn't even relevant really. Yeah. And I would sit there for hours and lose hours of time in my mind. Mm. It was the wildest thing. Just like lost. I couldn't I couldn't remember to eat. I couldn't remember to drink. I lost I think like 10 pounds during that time. And I wasn't sleeping at night either. And so I it was so dark and so real. Um, and I think also though it was important for me to go through it for the people that were in my life that showed up for me that maybe didn't know, okay, is mental illness a real thing? Like right. my mom came through that and was like, I know that that is real. And I know that you have been called to help other people come through that. Um, but it's like a mind paralysis. Yeah. Like you can't use your mind and you can't think rationally. Wow. So in those early, like when you're in that place, and then, like, even you come around, like, an environment like church, and someone is like, hey, okay, well, do you pray about it? Like, what, how, how do you, like, what, what is, uh, like, does that help? <laughs> like, what, you know, like, yeah. is that, how do you, how do you, how do you, that hit you when you're in that space? I look at mental health now, and I think it is, it is, we have to look at it as a whole, Okay. It's not just spiritual, it's mental and it's physical. And yeah. I think that we see references to that all over the Bible. Yeah. You know, Elijah is one of the characters in the Bible that has been known to, scholars believe, deal with depression. And God is like, you're going on a journey and so you need a nap. So like sometimes God is saying, you need a nap, you my, need to sleep. My mom said that growing up a lot. She said, the most spiritual thing <laughs> you could do, sir, is go take a nap. <laughs> Write it down. And so I, I do think that there were some harmful words said to me, you know, sometimes saying like, well, if you just prayed more, this wouldn't be an issue or there must be an area of sin in your life. And that caused me to think, okay, one, I don't think that's gospel, but I'm here and I'm praying as much as I can. I'm reading the Bible as much as I can. And so I had to realize like, God is not punishing me. God is heartbroken for this situation, wow. yeah. but 
I will never forget, I think the most spiritual moment that I had in that realm where my mom and I were having those conversations back and forth of, is God here? Where is God in all of this? And I made the decision to go and have a conversation with a doctor about medication. And I'll never forget sitting in that little room that you sit in before you go and see the doctor. And the man that was taking all of the notes and asking me all the questions, at one point he placed his pen down and he looked at me and he said, are you a Christian? And I remember looking at him with tears in my eyes and I was like, yes, I am a Christian. And he said, okay, I'm not supposed to say this for my job. I'm not allowed to say this, but I just need to let you know that the devil is rejoicing right now and we will not let him have you. Wow. And I never saw that man again, but that man was one of the many breadcrumbs that led me out of the woods that I think you put your job on the line to step forward in a moment of faith and see me. And I remember I walked out of that room and I called my mom and I said, God is here. God is here. He is in this place. Wow. So, yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah, so it it, it wasn't a moment. It's not some momentary thing, but it was the beginning, like you said, breadcrumbs. So it's the beginning of what's a process. So what did that process begin to look like? It was all-encompassing. It was being willing to humble myself enough to say I need help and I need support. It was surrounding myself with friends. It was rooting myself here in Atlanta, believing that God had called me to be here. It was taking medication. It was going to the gym, not because I necessarily really wanted to go to the gym, but science says that working out five days a week for 45 minutes at a time is the equivalent to a 20 milligram dosage of Prozac. That's huge for your mind. Hey. Um, And it was realizing, okay, like maybe for the rest of my life, I am going to have to walk differently in order to live out the mission that Jesus has called me to. Come on. And so I want to do that however I can. And so if depression is a part of my story, then that means I have to live a more disciplined life to thrive for the gospel. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, so this idea of discipline, because, you know, it's, it's, it's a interesting word. It's a tricky word. It's not necessarily a, f- a fun word. Uh, it's actually so fun. What's that? It's fun. It's hard to say discipline in a fun way. Okay. You know, <laughs> it sounds like I'm going to, like with my kids, I'm going to discipline you. Like that's not, no, that's never a fun conversation. You're right. Or, um, or starting doing disciplines, never fun. Like if you've not been to the gym in a long, long time, and then you go to the gym for like a day or two, and it's like my body's telling me I'm not having fun, yeah. you know? So, so speaking from personal experience. So, um, but uh, I don't go to the gym often, as you can tell. So, um, but what, so what are some of these disciplines now that, I mean, obviously going, physical activity and things like that. But what are some, what are some of these disciplines that kind of helped you get out of that space? Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it's necessarily easy because it's not, but I also right. think anything fruitful is usually typically not easy. True. You know, like True. I think that we're living in an instant age where we just want it overnight, but like really like the best things in life don't happen overnight. Um, and I think too, yeah, like you look at discipline and you're like, okay, it doesn't seem fun, but like 
discipline and that word disciple are very much intertwined. And disciple means to be a learner of something, a student of something. And so for me, disciplines look like moving my body, monitoring the things that are going into my body. Sadly, for me, I had to give up gluten. There is nothing as sweet as gluten on this side of heaven. I am certain of that. Um, but was, Are you saying manna was gluten? I, I, that the, one I don't know. That okay. one I'd have to dig into. But okay. I, for me... Can, can someone fact check that? Thank you. <laughs> For me, I, was, I had been told multiple times, hey, your mind would do so much better without this, and I didn't want to give it up. And finally, when I did, it was an act of obedience for the Lord. Wow. Um, and every person's track looks different, so please don't tell, I'm not telling anybody to give up gluten. Like, eat it for me. Um, <laughs> but I also think, too- Someone's that- back there like, I heard my word for tonight. <laughs> They're like, I'm leaving right yeah. now and going to eat a biscuit uh-huh. at Chick-fil-A. Thank you, Lord. Glad I came to church. Yeah. I think that a lot of the discipline too that I get comes from it comes from the Bible. It comes from being very close to the life of Jesus. Yeah. One of the things that was striking to me is during the Bible times, like when a rabbi would call a student, would call a disciple, oftentimes the friends and family would say to that person, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Mm. Like, may you be covered in the dust that comes from his sandals. And that would mean like, be so close that you're covered in his dust. Wow. And I think to myself, that is how close I want to be to Jesus. I Come want to be on. covered in his dust. Come on. But in order to do that, I have to be in this word where he is living and active and speaking yeah. and seeing what were his disciplines. He says, Come and follow me. I'll show you how to live light and free. Yeah. And so it's just looking at the Bible through that lens of like, okay, what did, what did Jesus do when he was here on this earth? And like, even just like noticing, this is something recently I've noticed. It's like anytime Jesus was about to perform a big miracle or he was about to make a big decision, he retreated and wow. he got away in prayer. So why am I thinking I can go and take on big things and not get away in prayer? There's your word. And so, yeah, yeah. I know that discipline can be hard, but I promise you as somebody who has been trying to be a student of discipline, There is so much freedom waiting for you there, especially if you are someone who does battle with mental health, mental illness. Yeah, Yeah, that's a great, um, help us understand too, what's the difference between mental illness and mental health? So I think we're definitely in an era where we're talking about mental illness, and yeah. which is amazing, and we need to talk about it because it's a very real thing. Depression, anxiety, there is a wide variety of mental illnesses. I think when we talk about mental health, though, we can sometimes check out and say, okay, well, I don't have depression, so I don't really need this. Mm-hmm. And I personally believe and pray and hope that we as the church will step into an era where we talk about mental health as it is for everyone, that every single one of us should be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And that even you sitting in this seat that has never experienced anxiety and depression to ask yourself, am I living to the fullness of how God has called me to live? Because Jesus said, I came to give life and give it abundantly. And that word abundant in the Greek, that means like beyond what you could imagine or expect. And he convicted me last year because I'm like, am I living beyond what I could imagine or expect. And when he says abundance, like he means specifically spiritual abundance, but that is 
it's available to us if we would seek after it, if we would seek it first above all else. Yes. Man, come on, guys. This is so good. This is so good. So what are, what, as you've been kind of like studying this and, and looking at this, what are things that, again, come up against our mental health? Like what, try, what are the things that try and take away from us having a healthy mind? I think the number one thing, and I know we've talked about it before, is our devices. Right. It's technology. And um, I was actually like reading a few days ago about revival since that's something that's happening right now, praise Jesus. Um, But I was reading specifically about revivals that had spread across New England in the 17 and 1800s because I have been believing and praying for revival in New England for a long time, go Yale. Um, But- A lot of Yale fans out here, yeah. I know, I know, hey. But one of the things that I found, they said was a common thread in revival during that time and why revival sparked was because of three things. The telling stories about revival in other locations, the reading accounts of revival to the congregation and visiting a location where revival was taking place. And so two out of those three things for what we're seeing right now were spurred on and expedited by technology. So I don't think technology is a bad thing. I think it's a tool. I think it's the usage of technology that we have to have an honest conversation about. And so it's being able to say, okay, I've sat here for two hours and I have just watched TikToks and I need to get off the couch and I need to motivate myself to do something. Um, And we say it's not that bad, but we also know that these phones we're not programmed with our best interest in mind at all. And these apps have taught us to center everything on ourselves, which is directly adverse with what the gospel is telling us to do. Yeah. And I think especially too, because as I've been digging in the trenches of this, I'm very passionate about the digital disconnect, as you can tell. Um, What happens, research shows that the more time that we spend interacting on our devices, the less we are inclined to want to meet up with one another in person. Why is that? That's because we, we're getting dopamine hits where we think we need to get dopamine hits. You know, dopamine is that feel-good chemical in your brain, and I believe God wired us for dopamine. But we're getting dopamine from our devices or dopamine from shopping, when in actuality, God has planted so many natural dopamine releases in this world. Getting natural sunlight, that is a dopamine release. Talking with a friend face-to-face is a dopamine release. Listening to music, moving your body, all these things that God wired us for, and we're getting the cheapest flow of dopamine from a device that is telling us it's all about us and it's not. Wow. Yeah. Man, that's so good. So because we're, because we're going, I mean, it's like eating junk food almost. Like it's like I, I, I get filled up here and therefore I have a, it's, it's hard for me to go to hang out. Yeah. Does anybody feel that? Have you felt that way before where it's like, I just don't feel like I have the energy to go hang but then if you actually thinking about this now, if, but are you thinking uh, I've been, but I, but I've been scrolling for two hours today. So like I'm, I, I'm full. Like my brain says like, I'm, I'm good on hanging because I feel like I just went through all those emotions just by looking at my screen. Wow. 
So we obviously, I mean, if you've been in and around, the, uh, if you cared about mental illness and mental health, like you've, we know the the phone, the devices, screen time, social. We know it's bad. It's just it's just hard. I mean, I think that'd be kind of the honest thing to say. It's hard for me. It's hard uh, to because I mean, you know, the the TikTok algorithm it kind of lasers in on you. It's like I know what you like. Might need to delete TikTok. Yeah, I might. Okay. I got my word. So, <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to reach YA, Brad. I'm trying to reach YA. So, um, but, oh, now I'm all, I'm all flustered. Convicted. Um, He's convicted. No. <laughs> Where, what were we talking about before we were talking about TikTok? No, so we know that it, we know, we know these things are bad. So how can, what, what are some like real tangible, like practical first steps? If that, if that really is probably one of the largest cultural things kind of crashing into our, our brains, what, what can we do? Delete TikTok. So step one, um, no, he kind of did, um, (laughs) but, but, um, but what, what are some like, what are some practical ways, even for you, when you were kind of first taking some of these steps? I don't know. Are there ways that we can um, free our minds from this? Yeah, I think, I think it comes down to the individual. For you to have an honest conversation with God, God will tell you whether or not you need to delete TikTok. He's speaking loud um, right now. But, you know, I've had to ask myself that question in other junctures of, like, God, is this taking me away from the mission that you have for me? Like, because I don't... We have a very short blip of time to be here and we don't have time for distractions. That's good. And so for me, I mean, if it makes you feel better, my crux is like reality TV and... That's not mine. Yeah. I don't, that's not my crux. (laughs) Um, But I think too, like realizing that one... It's not your fault, so apply grace because there are these social giants that have tried to wire you to be addicted to this thing. And that's the thing is I think we have to just call it an addiction. Yeah. And I say that very carefully as someone who has lost many loved ones to addiction. I am not comparing the two. But just because this thing is socially acceptable doesn't mean it's not an addiction. It be addictive. Yeah. Addictive. Yeah. And I think that... If you want to start small and you want to start practically, I know the way that I started was I got myself like a little white box from Ikea and I just started putting my phone in it throughout the day. And it was a reminder to me of like, my phone is in the box, I need to be present. And so maybe looking at your life and saying, okay, what are the areas in my day-to-day life where I don't want to bring the phone in? That's so good. If you're bringing the phone into your time with God, and I've done it before, and all of a sudden you're like, why am I shopping on Instagram? I was just in Hebrews. Like, the spirit must have led me here. <laughs> yeah. The spirit led me to buy this influencer's jumper. <laughs> or Also not my struggle. Yeah. I think, you know, like if your desire is to be more present with your kids, okay, well yes. then put the phone away because we're now having to model these behaviors for these kids. And I, I see and read so many articles about how we're all up in arms about the kids and tablets and phones. And I'm like, I think we need a behavior modification. Totally. It's highly convicting when your kid comes up and pulls your phone away just to get your attention. <laughs> to get your attention. Yeah. Yeah. I know I'm the only parent in the room that deals with that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I think it's taking an inventory of your life and saying, okay, how do I want to be 
more present in this because I, I just think that that is the most valuable thing that we can give one another in this digital age is our presence. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. Um, I, I, I think it's a, it's a, God, it's so practical and I love that. Um, but let's also talk too because our mind and we are, there is a spiritual element to what's going on with the health of our mind. So it's, it's, not, it's not all just like, you know, best practices and, you know, these kinds of things, but there, there is a spiritual element. And so coming back to like, like things like prayer and worship, how does that shape your mind? Hugely. I mean, those are spiritual disciplines, prayer yeah. and worship. And if you've never read the book, The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, please order it That's on Amazon tonight. Um, but I love what he says in that book where he says the spiritual disciplines allow us to place ourselves in front of God so that he can transform us. And worship is one of those things. Prayer is one of those things. Worship, I'll admit, I thought for the longest time worship was what we did before the message started. I thought I had to have a person with a guitar in order to worship. Right. Um, and I, I always learned. had one at my house. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I thought Brett Yonker had yeah. to be there in my quiet yeah. time. Um, but I had to or learn sign that. Sign up for bookings in the, the, yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had to learn that worship like literally means t- to bow down, to place God in the most high position where he belongs. And so for me to enter into that spirit of worship, and I am not perfect at it whatsoever, is to say, okay, what is taking the top spot in my life? Yep. Is it Jesus? To kind of take stock in where Yes, yeah. taking that inventory. Is it yep. Jesus? Is it career? Is it success? Is it a certain number on the scale? And am I willing to reorder my loves yep. so that Jesus gets that top spot? Right. But I think any spiritual discipline, and this is something God has convicted me with over the last year or so, um, we know if, if we want to go and we want to get stronger at the gym, right? Like we're going to have to show up at the gym more than once. Like we're not going to walk out all buff. It's a, it's a bummer of a truth, but it's a truth. It's a truth. Yeah. And we understand and probably accept that journey. Same thing with if you're going to do a Whole30, your Whole30 does not end on day two. Um, for some it does, but that's okay. It's the gluten guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But what I didn't realize and what God really convicted me with was... Prayer is just as much a discipline. Worship is just as much a discipline. So why do you pray once or twice and say, oh, it's not really for me. I don't hear from God. Wow. Why am I not getting back there over and over and over again saying, God, this is the most important thing that I could be cultivating relationship with you through the power of these spiritual disciplines. Teach me and be with me and give me wisdom. Yes. And so, yeah, it's it's all hard, but it's fruitful. Yes. So, so fruitful. The, um, if, if with these, these things, these things that come in and try and distract us spiritually in, in our minds, how, like, how does it hinder even just like hearing from God? Yeah. I think there, there's two main things to that. Yeah. Because I, I did it for many years. I would just say, I just don't hear God. God's speaking to other people. He's not speaking to me. And then I had to learn that God is speaking through his word. Like yep. this is where he is speaking. That's right. And the most pivotal thing that came out of that depression is that I learned how to read the Bible. Wow. And I didn't sit under a scholar. I didn't take a course. I showed up and I said, God, 
there is some stuff going on in here that I just don't understand. Will you give me wisdom? And we built the intimacy of our relationship right there. And I think we're afraid to ask God questions, but I look at my man Moses, my Bible crush, and they said, (laughs) Moses, yes, any other Moses lovers? Yes, come on, yes. Wow. Moses. How about David? Anyway, David? Okay. (laughs) Right next to you, David. Okay. Moses and David, right here. But I think... Bartholomew? (laughs) Just kidding. Hezekiah. I'm sorry, Hannah. (laughs) I was at Winter Weekend. My mind's a little, my mind's tired. No, just kidding. It's all the TikTok. Oh, Um, gosh. (laughs) Burn. They're loving it. Everyone in this section is loving this right now. I don't even know if I remember my training. You were talking about your Bible crest, Moses. 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 They say... Moses. Moses walked with God. He was intimate with God. If you read Moses' story, Moses is constantly asking God questions. Yeah. Like constantly. And that was a light bulb moment for me to realize, oh my goodness, I like when people ask me questions. It makes me feel known. And if I'm made in the likeness of God, then maybe he wants me to ask questions too. Come on. And so I think it's being in the word, because when you are in the word, you will know what God sounds like and you will start to discern what is the voice of God and what is not the voice of God. Yep. I think the other thing that's important, and I'm sure, let me know, does anyone else feel just like very overloaded by notifications these days? Anyone else feeling that fatigue? Yes, okay. I think that for me, and and this was something that happened to me a few weeks ago back in December. I was at Cumberland. I was worshiping. My girl Chid was up on stage worshiping. And God just impressed on me in that moment. Reach out to her. Let her know, like, she's glowing, and I'm so pleased with her. And it was this, like, very holy moment. And I'm like, yes, God, I'm on it. I'm doing it. And I I leave church. (laughs) Send me. Send me to Chidema. I leave church and I go to Target and then I like order groceries and then I do a bunch of other things yep. and notifications, notifications, and I get halfway through the week and I have not texted Chitima. I did eventually text Chitima and I relayed the message. I did. But it caused me to go into my quiet time and be like, Lord, I don't want to miss your notifications. Like, I don't want to miss it because I'm so overwhelmed by email or bank statements or sales or whatever stuff that doesn't matter. I want to be present for your notifications. That's great. And so whatever it is that is standing in the way of that, that is dulling our senses, that is keeping us from being awake, we need to be able to say as an act of obedience, I'm cutting that thing off at the root because I'm not going to miss what God has for me and what God has for his people. That's great. That's so great. So coming back to that verse that I was talking about out of Matthew where Jesus calls us to to love God uh, with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, basically with all of our being. How now as you, you know, this eight-year journey, um, all of these new disciplines and practices and um, just uh, how has this impacted your intimacy with God or your love for God or to where now that you're, you know, this mind, heart, soul, strength yeah. around God. How, how is that impacted now? I think that is the life mission right there, yeah. is to learn to love God with all our hearts and our minds and our soul and our strength. 
And I think a lot of times we read that verse and we think I'm not there yet, so I might as well not even try. And do I think I will get there in this lifetime? No, absolutely not. But I think if that is the mission, then God meets us in the process. And that's where the really beautiful stuff happens. And so for me, I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged to know that I could spend my whole entire life seeking to know him. That's awesome. And never even touch the tip of the iceberg of knowing him. You know, like just this morning, I was sitting in John 17, like the high priestly prayer that Jesus prays before he is arrested and sent to the cross. And I'm like, God, I could spend months here in this one chapter and still feel like I'm just skimming the surface. And so when we sit here and we struggle and we say, I don't know what the mission is. No, the mission is right here. It is to learn how to love God with all of our minds and all of our souls and all of our our strength and our might. And it's not about being perfect. It's about being in tandem with him, in partnership with him. So I'm encouraged by that. I used to be daunted by it. um, And I used to slather legalism all over it. Now (laughs) I'm like, you know, you've invited me into this and it's so sweet because honestly, I've tried everything else to fill me. This is the thing that fills past overflow. That's great. That's awesome. You know, I love that... um, uh, one, a huge theologian that's been very influential in my life and Pastor Louie and a lot of our pastors here is A.W. Tozer. He writes this book called The Knowledge of the Holy. In the beginning of the book, the premise of the whole book, it's a really short book, but it's, it's pretty thick. I mean, short, not, it's thin, you get it. So, but this is what he says at the beginning of the book. He says, the most important thing about anybody is what they think about when they think about God. And one of the things Pastor Louie, as we opened up this whole idea of talking about our mind and our mental state is to set our minds on God. And what Tozer puts out on the table is it's really important what you're thinking about when you think about God. Because whatever that thought is, whatever, it will determine what you believe about him. And whatever you believe will determine how you live. And this is true. Even if you, you don't believe in God and you're here at the five tonight, whatever, if you just think about this for a second, whatever you think about impacts what you believe in life. And what you believe impacts how you live your life. And so what Tozer and what scripture is putting out on the table is to have a right and true picture of who God is and to set your mind on that, and I love that as we're talking that it, there, there's it's a multi-faceted uh, thing. There is a spiritual renewal that has happened inside of us because of salvation. That God has changed us and transformed us. That's an act that you and I cannot do on our own. We need Jesus. We need Him to, you know, by the, His death and His resurrection and by the power of the Holy Spirit, He comes into our lives and He begins to initiate this renewing. Uh, agent in in us, but also he is empowering us uh, to to live it out and to 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 do that. And so, wherever you are tonight uh, in this discussion and in this conversation, I just want to encourage you that it there's there there's a lot going on here. I know that 
I had never been to counseling until a few years ago. Uh, me and Ansley, just in our marriage, we just re- we really needed some help emotionally, uh, mentally, just to, we, we were coming up against things. We were feeling a lot of pressure. Every area of our life, uh, we, we just had a lot of things kind of pressing down and we couldn't get past. So we went, we went and got counseling and it was really, really helpful because I honestly couldn't do that. And so I was beginning to learn things about myself, about us, about our relationship. And, and we we began to get tools uh, that helped make us stronger all the while praying and asking God, God, we need, we need your help. We want to order our life around you. We want you, we want you to be at the center of our life and our marriage. And we, we surrender and we yield ourselves to you. And that's, that's what Paul talks about here. I just want to close with this scripture in Philippians four. He says this, uh, Paul, who is in prison, by the way, so it's always kind of nice to know where the, the, the guy is who's writing, writing this. He's, he's in prison because of his faith in Jesus, and he's gone through a lot. So this isn't just some like, you know, like, yay, love God kind of guy. This is a guy who is like, no, love God, because I've, I'm, I'm literally laying down my life to go tell the whole known world about him. I've been shipwrecked. I've been bitten by a snake, and a snake is the scariest thing for me um, uh, to think about <laughs> personally. Um, uh, and now he's in a Roman prison knowing he's about to lose his life. And he reads and he writes these words to the church in Philippi. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He's saying, set your mind, set your heart on God. Find your joy in God. That takes effort, that takes energy, that takes a conscious decision to rejoice in him. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He's with us in the process. He's right with us. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Says the guy in prison. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, present your request to God. There is somebody who can handle what you're going through. It may be really dark right now. It may be really hard right now, and it might might not make a lot of sense, and it might not change things for you right now, tonight, on this very night. But Paul's saying, start, take a step today. Begin to order your life, find joy in God, present your request to him. And then he comes and he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. So that's, that's a spiritual thing. That's a spiritual decision to say in this moment of anxiety, I'm going to choose to pray about it. I'm gonna choose to set my mind on him. I'm going to present it to him and trust him. And then he says something else. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's an awesome list. 
That's an awesome grid to think about. What are the things that are coming into my brain? What are the things that are coming into my eyes? Do they line up with true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy? Is that what I sit at the end of my day and just let come into my mind? For so many of us, that this is a great, this is a new grid. This is a new grid to say, does it line up? I want health. I want good things. This is how you get there. It's by taking a step. Maybe for some of you, you need to put this verse in Philippians 4. You need to put this on your lock screen, on your phone. It's gonna be hard to go through that lock screen into something else if you've got true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. You're gonna go like, is it lining up with any of that? I need to get out. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. So, If you need to get help, like Pastor Louie said this morning, get help. If you need to go see someone, talk to someone, if you need to go learn, how, what is my mind doing right now? What are my emotions doing right now? I need to learn about that. My dad had leukemia when I was growing up, but God has healed him from leukemia. Do you know how God healed him? He healed him through amazing doctors at Northside and Emory. He had a bone marrow transplant. My uncle was a perfect match. My dad does not have leukemia, but you know, he went to a doctor and through the doctor, God healed my dad. Same is true for your mind. You might need to see a doctor to figure out, you might need to take some medicine, but all the while trusting in the Lord to be working in and through. And so whatever you've learned, whatever you've received, whatever you've heard or seen in me, put into practice, spiritual that impacts and empowers the practical. That's how we get to mental health, yielding our spirits, yielding our minds to the Lord, the one who made our minds and trusting that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he has given us what we need to become healthy. So Hannah, thank you for coming. Thank you. And being a part of tonight. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church podcast.